of when I think of kind of how this last two years uh, or plus have been have you ever and some people don't watch this have you ever watched the lord of the rings yes the trilogy yeah. what was it in the first one where they're running through the dungeons and they go across and gandalf stops because this big like demon's coming and he's on the little bridge and he goes you shall not pass hi i'm john stevens this is matt russell this and this is pot at mercy i feel like we need a new way to start a, the podcast instead of, so Matt, how are how you are doing? You? Hi, John. That's what we always start. <laughs> At some point, it's like, oh. Coming hot or what? I don't know. We need, yeah. We, well, I haven't been here. Yeah. You've been, so where have you Wait, been? Wait, so last week, uh, what is today? <laughs> Today's Tuesday. Oh, yeah. First First another last week I was in Kansas City. The week right. before that I was in California. The week before that I don't remember. You don't that. remember that's two you've eaten since then. That was like twenty twenty. <laughs> so how'd you like California? I, I love California. I lo- like California. Yeah. I really like California. I like the weather there. Oh, and when then we were in uh Galveston on the executive, oh, yeah. executive team retreat. Yeah, that's right. Wow, I'm like a world traveler. You, <laughs> you know, ca- California's good. I think they just officially opened California. You still have to wear masks inside everywhere. There, really, mm-hmm. which is fine. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, I don't feel like my liberty's been taken if I have to wear a mask. But I mean, you have to fly a plane. You got to wear a mask when you fly a plane. Yeah. Or else they kick you off and you can never fly again. Again, ever. Unless you fly American or Southwest, in which case you don't have to worry about flying anyway because all their planes are grounded. Going down. You liked that one, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Never thought in a million years I'd be saying United is the best. Right. United said said no one ever. No one ever until now. (laughs) Until now. Uh, If you have a... Oh, because my, my, my niece got married at the, at, in oh, early right. October, and a lot of them were flying southwest. We got home, and some of them got stuck. My brother-in-law got stuck in Denver for like two or yeah. three days. I had friends uh, last week, Cleveland and Nisi, flying back from somewhere and got st- like, stuck for like two flights. Just Yeah, they just, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what's causing it. People say they're like walking out because of uh, vaccine mandates, but that, I don't think that's no. the reason. It could be part of the reason, but I don't think it's the whole reason. I don't know. Who knows? Why don't we Why don't we continue talking about things we don't know? We don't know about, about. That's what I this do most of my do. life. This is a podcast. Hey. <laughs> All right. Tell me about God. Okay. So <laughs> Jeff gave us some icebreakers. What title would you give this chapter in your life right now? Dear Lord. <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> dot dot dot. D- and you can take that any way you want to. It could be a prayer. It could be a oh dear Lord. <laughs> Mine would be like what would uh, yours be? WTF, like the acronyms, <laughs> like on the, the Twitter acronym. Hashtag. What? What would it be? Yeah, Ooh. yeah Squid Games. <laughs> 
That's a, <laughs> it feels like that. You're just running at a game. You don't know if you're going to get killed, what's going to happen. Everybody's speaking a different language. Nobody's communicating. Your best friend, it turns out, being somebody who's going to betray you. You just, you know. Do you know I haven't watched Squid Games? You, it's. I think it's going to show up in every ethical class, you know, in college and in seminary. It's just, it's great. I mean, it's really a great meaning. It's, it's, it brought a lot of conversations in my family up with my kids. Interesting. Uh, all right. Um, what is one thing that put a smile on your face this week? Ah, last night. I know I was supposed to uh, go to this other thing, and I had a couple mm. friends who, like, just out of the blue are coming. They're going to the ball game. Tonight. Showed up. The Atlanta Braves fans. Yeah. 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 Right. Well. And so. Why else would they be in Houston right now? <laughs> exactly. And then just out of the blue said, hey, where's their place to go eat? And I looked at my wife. It's like, we're going to go have dinner okay. with Ramsey and Daly. So that was cool to have some people. You That's know. great. Just kind of show up from uh, Georgia, from from St. Simons Island. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So yeah, we we laughed and told stories and that picture on Facebook just looked like joy. It just looked like joy. There, you know, it was also Ninfas. Yeah, well, yeah. I paid for it. How how was the joy this morning, John? (laughs) It's not as as joyful. (laughs) Not so joyful. All right. So this next one, it just says. Dear younger self, blank. Dear younger Matt Russell, what would you say to younger Matt Russell right now? Don't take that first drink. (laughs) No, no, um, I would say, um, well, maybe that. that, That's brought a lot of good things in my life, too. Um, I would say, wow, dear younger Matt Russell, relax, God's got it. God's got it. Just breathe. God's got this. That's good. Yeah. I like that. That was good. Icebreakers are back. <laughs> icebreakers are back. It's always good to do an icebreaker. Yeah. Remember when we started those icebreakers like 15 years ago when we started remember this Remember when we started this podcast in like February of 2020? I, I remember going, hey, so you heard of this coronavirus yeah, this, thing? And you were like, no, what's no, that? No, what is that? This is crazy. <laughs> well, um, hey, I sent you – so I was I – was, fortunate to join about 700 plus mm-hmm. united methodists from all over the country i know people get into the deep into the weeds in this stuff and and that's not really where i wanted to go but it, there's some stuff that came out of it that's interesting um i think it was pew 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 the p- i think it was the pew research that came out with a thing not long ago P-E-W. about the decline of um uh, like evangelical or more fundamentalist conservative churches and a rise of mainline Protestants. Do you see this? Yes. And it's it's almost like that's the first time yeah. you've seen that trend <laughs> shift, like in my lifetime. Yeah, 50 years. Because it was always the Southern Baptists were growing, evangelical, I mean, uh, Assemblies of God, whatever, Pentecostal, charismatic, were growing. and all the mainline Protestants, like Methodist and Presbyterian, Episcopalian, were declining. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. this survey came out, this demographic study came out and said that like for the first time since we've been around that mainline Protestants are increasing. And a lot of it's coming from younger people. It's a different 
different demographic, different crowd. So this week we were in Kansas City. We it was a large church conference. Mm-hmm. So there were 230 of the largest United Methodist churches, 230 of the largest 400 um, that were invited that were at this conference. But we were also joined by a young clergy gathering. Young, you know, I don't know what the realm is. Probably young. under. It's not me. Forty. It's not me. But, well, uh, <laughs> if you, yeah. but anyway, one of the things that was interesting is they ask, I don't know if you have it, Jeff, they ask um, a bunch of these young clergy to come in and sit in, and they recorded a lot of them about what their dreams are for the future of the church that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. And I thought we'd just listen to a few of these and maybe talk about, talk about it. it. You know, I've been a United Methodist my whole life. I hold hope that we do have a future. We would be the church that we are meant to be, that we are called to be. In the essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. It will be a place where all are welcomed and loved and cared for and valued in that place. And filled with the Holy Spirit, calling people into transformation by a walk with Jesus Christ, uh, and that being lived out into the world in graceful and grace-filled ways. I remain a United Methodist because I believe our theology gives us space to respond to the very practical needs of communities and people and, and all of creation. So my hope is that we would look at the communities we're in, the ones where our churches are located, the ones where our people live, and that we would be Jesus in those places. So I definitely see the Spirit working in my community through um, our congregation and community's uh, love of generosity. Um, I think that this has helped me um, find hope in the Methodist movement um, as I've seen our people pour out again and again in our community. We can see God moving on that. God's uh, uh, moving uh, through our walls and reaching the community no matter what language they spoke or what is their culture or what is their dream, uh, we can see God's working in, in our context. We can see the people coming from Christ, from different backgrounds, uh, but finding family in that place and finding people will love them and will support them even if we are different. The church I think young adults want to be a part of is one where they are actively participating, where their voices are being heard. That they aren't being told they're the future of the church, but that they are the church. I think that we think that young adults aren't ready to be leaders, but they are ready to be leaders on committees, in leadership positions, a part of the clergy today. I think the only criteria for a church, the church that young adults want to be a part of, is Christ-like. When I think of the church that young adults would want to be a part of, I'm reminded that the entire Methodist movement got started because a group of college kids decided to get together and live a more holy life. Helping people to have the kind of relationship with Jesus that changes their lives so that they can change the world. Come on. Hmm. I want to be a part of that movement. So (laughs) what was interesting is after two days, Hmm. uh, I've been to a lot of national gatherings for the united methodist church in the past yeah. several years and i'll be honest with you I usually leave like utterly depressed yeah miserable this one i came back out of and i was like wow we're starting to talk about the future instead of the things that divide us and the disagreements we're start we're starting yeah. to talk about what's the what's the dream for the future we want to be a part mm. of i mean that just if that doesn't 
kind of get you going listening to young pastors yeah um talk about the church of their dreams i don't know maybe you need a reboot what were some of your takeaways from that time like when you walked out of that like you said hope but like what what about that was inspiring hope in you about the church so what's interesting is no matter who you are whether you're united methodist or in the church or maybe you're not connected to a church much at all it was really fascinating to we we did these um polls so some of it was subjective stuff i mean yeah. though just how we feel about things but some of it was specific like for example uh we did a, a this these interactive menti polls and found that 69 percent of the churches that were represented there now remember these are large churches that are there and young clergy 69 percent of those churches are down in worship attendance that's online and in person combined compared to pre-covid that's not real surprising to me but that's a lot of churches you think about there were a few 15 percent said they're the same uh 17 said they're actually up and i think most of them would say that's online digital yeah. people that are intersecting um talk about financial stability 46 um percent indicated that offerings and giving was down um and about 29 percent said they were up which is but the thing that really struck me were were two things when you ask that group in the room what is it that you value most about the united methodist church and being united methodist and it seems like for the past several years, it's all about one issue that seems to divide us, yeah. you know, human sexuality. But the pandemic and just the world we live in has introduced so many other difficult situations right. that, you know, things are sort of, things are being resorted, recalibrated, you know, the hierarchy is different. Mm. But listen, here's the top five things when you ask this, this group, what do you value most about being United Methodist or United Methodist? One is the emphasis on God's grace. Uh, we'll that, just these are there's five things there's, there's five things here okay. we can just t- yeah. stop and pause and talk about each yeah. one an emphasis on god's grace mm-hmm. this is the thing that makes methodist unique i yes. think is that um when we get into fights about doctrine and teaching and scripture and all this kind yeah. of stuff one of the things that's been difficult is some people don't understand that grace is the scarlet thread it's the underlying way of of how we identify how we read scripture how we see jesus at work in the world is grace yes you know yes uh, not law and judgment and that's hard depending on the kind of person you are because you know laws are great rules are good doctrine is important but we read it uh, and engage in a task by reading and living that through a lens of grace that's who we are hmm. that might not be for everybody but it's who we are that's i don't right. know how you've experienced that in your life no absolutely and i think the i think partly reading it through that lens of grace has allowed me to change positions on multiple things in my life understanding that i was formed in a certain place and meeting people or or expanding and reading or whatever those things are i can read scripture and go oh i understand the context better i understand the background better i understand my own experience better and i can shift and love people in a different way Hmm. or i can let go of an opinion and say i don't know (laughs) which is um which has been also an act of grace for me yeah and the second one was a passionate faith in Jesus that's lived out through serving others by serving others. Yeah. I love the term a passionate faith because, mm. you, you know, if you don't have passion in your life about your faith, it's 
Yeah. I don't really know what it does to move you, but passionate faith in Jesus lived out by serving others. This is another thing I think when it comes to theology is, you know, some of us tend to be very much rule oriented. You know, there's boundaries, there's borders, there's things you don't cross. And I keep coming back to this thing. It's like, you got to look at the life of Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Look at the life of Jesus. If you want to be a Christian, you have to be a follower of Jesus, right? (laughs) And some Christians just want to be followers of uh, rules. Now, it's, you got to be careful when you say that, because I'm not saying rules are not important. I'm not saying boundaries are not important. But you got to look at all of this through the lens of the life of Jesus. And look what he did. Look how he lived. I mean, he hung out with he where he went. Eats at the, he eats at the home and the table of sinners and tax collectors. And the religious establishment, the power in the day, really, I mean, they, they went after him, ultimately killed him for mm. this. Yes. Um, and I think that uh, the way he intersected the people that he should not have intersected with. Yeah. He was not supposed to talk to the woman at the well no. in Samaria. No. He wasn't supposed to be in Samaria. He wasn't. That's the rules. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You don't go there. It makes yeah. you unclean. And you yeah. certainly don't talk to a woman by yourself in public. That yeah. is against the rules. Yeah. yeah. You certainly don't touch a woman in public. Or have a prostitute anoint your feet. No. Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> don't they know who this woman is <laughs> yeah right yeah i mean that's something that you uh you you've said over and over this last year in that like if we center on the life of jesus first of all the wwjd <laughs> we first have to know what he did <coughs> and i think that like reading the new testament over and over and over again radicalizes us to this passionate faith in jesus who gave his life to people and at the end of the day that's what it's a about Hmm. right i mean that's what i'm that's what i feel passionate about in this place and in this world that we get to be a part of serving other people and being served like we get to build a new alternative community that's based out of love and grace Mm -hmm. the third one is a theology shaped by scripture interpreted with the aid of tradition experience and reason now people who may not be familiar with methodism we have this thing, um, some people don't like it anymore, called a, a quadrilateral, quadrilateral, a Wesleyan quadrilateral. You have that tattooed on your back, don't no, you? No, yes. Oh. It's a big st- <laughs> <laughs> It's right there. Oh, the lower back. <laughs> lower back, yeah. But in, instead of thinking of a square, think of a diamond. Okay. All right, so... It's, it's really more like, the, ooh, that's almost a square, but it's like this, all right? And so the foundation, the bottom of that, uh, that quadrilateral is mm-hmm. scripture. Scripture is always primary for us, Yeah. right? But we don't read scripture in a vacuum. That's right. We pull from 2,000 years of Christian tradition, right? Guess what? You're not the first person to read this passage of scripture and have an opinion on it. Mm. Some people think they are. Right. Right. Or they they believe a certain interpretation that's only been around, say, maybe five years or mm. 10 years yeah. or 20 years. Yeah. Thinking, wow, there's a guy who talked about this in like 172 AD. Right. The same thing. He was riffing off this. Yeah. Thing, there's like, right? there's people who have written and talked about this in differing ways for 2,000 right. years. Oh, but my preacher said something recently and that's been around for about five minutes. Yeah, and yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be the only way. Or, or my church, this. I don't know why we all always lapse into really heavy Southern draws, but my, my, when because we, I'm from the South. <laughs> but like at my what church, you, we you, all, so I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah. 
My preacher uses these pulling stuff out from yesterday. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, I, I don't even know where he got this stuff from. It's like five minutes ago. You like that like better? Vinny Barbarino. I, I was man of the year 1976, you know. It seems to me that the key, uh, there's two keys in interpreting scripture. One is to understand maybe the way the people that would have read or heard the words of Jesus first, how they would have received that. That seems to be primary, right? And then secondly, um, that, that that interpretive move then is in the rest of scripture, <clears throat> What is the movement of God, and is the way that I'm interpreting this fit with the rest of the way that we understand the movement of God's grace to really redeem the entire planet, right? And those seem to be something that we miss when we say, well, my, my church just preaches an unadulterated word of God, as if there's only one interpretive stance, right? Um, that the first move seems to be, how did the first hearers, how would they have heard this? How did this have landed on this? Why did they want to kill Jesus for talking about a widow's might, right? Oh, maybe there's something else going on in that text, mm -hmm. right? And then in all of Scripture, is this consistent with the nature and the character of God in God's movement of grace to redeem the entire world? That's, that's a big thing, too. So there's, um, there's tradition, so we're pulling from that. Yep. There's also experience. You can't divorce the way you read scripture from your experience yeah. of God in real right. life. Right. Now, some of our experiences have not been good oh. um, in life, but right. we have experiences where God has been at work in our lives, even if we're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're not Christian, even if you're not a person of faith, you've had an experience of some type in your life that's going to like bleed into how you understand God. Yes. Just reality yes yeah and a lot of us interpret god um, out of our own parental or authoritarian experiences in our childhood at least that's a common way of kind of understanding that and i think that's the interpretive move also is that we realize oh the god we're talking about might have characteristics of a good father but um this God is not, or mother, this God is not um, pejorative, uh, um, retributional, is not kind of, uh, thumbs not on the smite button, right? Mm -hmm. we, we understand that that's not God. Those are experiences that we might have of human experiences that would, then we put this kind of like, like, um, like omni, omnipotent kind of move towards God, but that's different, right? We say that then these experiences we have are to re- Calibrate, reshuffle, reorganize our lives spiritually. Yeah. Out of grace. And then um, reason. It's one of the things I love mm. about <laughs> being Methodist my whole life, and I never realized that, I guess, until later, is that we were never told, we, I, Methodists never tell you to check your brain at the door. No. No. Never. Or this is what you ought to believe. Th this is one of the reasons huh. why, if you look at Methodist history and who yes. Methodists are, we start schools. We yeah. start hospitals. hospitals. We're okay with science. Yeah. You know, because we don't believe that, you know, faith and thinking are divorced from one another. No. John Wesley was well read in many different disciplines. He actually wrote um, a book or a booklet about health and welfare. Yes. And had a lot of stuff that would be crazy for us today because he lived and he wrote it in 17. 40 right right so some of that stuff's like we don't do leeches anymore but actually some stuff some stuff that he had in there is was way ahead of its time and yeah. is still applicable even now yeah and so 
Wesley Salsa, that's why that's why Houston Methodist Hospital is one of the biggest hospitals in Texas. Yeah. You know, we we believe in this stuff. Yeah. And so right. when people come and they want to be, you know, anti-thinking, anti-science, oh, I don't want to listen to the doctors or whatever. I was like, okay, but that's not who we are. Yeah. There might be there might be groups of people like that, but that's not who we've been. Yeah, yeah. I think it's partly, or would you think uh, that it's partly because of the way that as Methodists we understand that the activity of God is in all of creation, and so science as a part of that is revealing something about the nature and the character of God. So it's not as if we like you said, check our brains and act as if we have in the scripture the total understanding of how to raise kids, what to do about medicine, what to do about cultural issues. No, we we engage with those things because we think that God is still doing things in the world that we participate in. Yeah. And then when once you use the reason, tradition and experience, uh, scripture, you know, is, is the foundation of that. Yeah. And ultimately, that's where that's the tiebreaker right, is yeah. the scripture. But it's within the light. We read through the lens of the life yeah. of Jesus. And can, can I say this? Yeah. One of the things I think is missing out of the quadrilateral, there's probably a thousand things, but I love it that the people called Methodists, right? Like what's primary about that is that we work that out not as individuals in my um, uh, own room and then I come to a church and I'm an individual. We work this out as a community. Mm -hmm. And that's why always it's been a big tent. It's been places where I can disagree. That doesn't mean I can't have fellowship. That means I want to learn alongside of you as my brother, as my sister, right? And so it's this, it's that working out your faith with fear and trembling that Paul talks about in the mid these these relationships that exist in the world. But we don't like to operate like that anymore. <laughs> we 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 divide into our echo chambers that reinforce yeah. what we already believe. Yeah. There's not a lot of openness nowadays. Yeah. To, you know, I mean, I, I kind of feel like doubt is no longer the enemy of faith. Now it's certainty is the enemy of faith. That's right. Everybody yeah. is certain That's about right. anything. It's like all of a sudden everyone has become a medical doctor. <laughs> I'm being facetious. I wonder, I wonder though, like that's going to have a shelf life because the, the, the fact is, is that we also feel deep pain and disconnection. And at some point that stuff bleeds through and they're going to need, people are going to need a community of people that say, come unto me, all of you that are weighted down and, and you're carrying burdens that are too big and you will find rest here. Hmm. You'll find, you'll find something for your soul here. I like get some point, I think all the, like a tantrum child is just going to run itself out. I hope, um, before it burns the house down, I hope. You know, and I think the church's move is to continue to hold the tent open and say, "Come, let us reason together." You know, we're going to love your soul. We're going to we're going to do this work together. It's just not happening anywhere. It's not. <laughs> I got hope, though, John. I mean, you I, emerged out of no, Kansas but that's City with you know hope. what? But that's that's the kind of church we're going to be. Yes, it is. It's going to be the it's the church that we are, and yes. it's the church we've been. Absolutely, it's the kind of church we're going to be. And it's it, we're in, but we're at an inflection point in society where yeah. some people don't want to be in a church like that. That's okay. But I I think when you talk about the growth of reaching young people when you look at yes. the fastest growing demographic you look at the generations of millennials and gen zers yes. that have moved away from the church and you think about them re-engaging in the church there's something about this mainline protestant way that we 
go through this big tent, right? This theology shaped by scripture, living a life of Jesus, the emphasis on God's grace. This doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't matter. When people hear that, they think, oh, you're just discounting scripture. Not at all. No. I have a, an extremely high view of scripture. I preach from it every <laughs> single week and yeah. study it every single you day. Act, you actually live your life out of that. <laughs> I, exactly. So when I'm telling people, stop being so angry, you know, be yeah. nice to people. Yeah. If, because if you if you practice love, if you habitually pra- put love into practice, which is not just a feeling and emotion, it's a practice. Yes. It's like we said Sunday. If you do it, it's going to push out anger and fear because yes. they can't exist in the same space. That's right. That's right. The problem is no one is actually working on love right i mean when i get emails there's just there's no gentleness there's no kindness there's no when people are mad right yeah there's none of that and they go well i'm saying this in love i know you're not no yeah you're not saying that i love when people if anybody comes and goes hey i want to tell you something but i'm gonna say this in love i'm like oh no no right there (laughs) it is not coming in love i'm just telling you would you uncross your arms and uh maybe because let me tell you you why you have to say that because it is not coming from love because if it was coming from love you wouldn't have to say that yeah 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 because you'd know i mean you know yeah I, I think that goes back to some of the things we've talked about earlier is that we have to develop and the capacity for curiosity, for wonder, and for not knowing, right? Mm-hmm. And we do that, then I can say, hey, tell me about this. And I can open up my heart knowing that your, our differences of opinions isn't an affront to my ego. It may be the very mechanism that the Holy Spirit uses to mature me mm-hmm. and to deepen our friendship. Right. Hmm. And that's the, I, again, that's the kind of church we are. Yeah. The fourth one they listed was a wide welcome for all people. But not the Irish. So I had a little blazing saddles. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally inappropriate that's, to yes. quote, watch, yeah, or show. That's been canceled. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> A wide welcome for all people. Now, immediately, some people who uh, are going to go straight to, well, this is about the same-sex marriage stuff. About the gays. But you know what? We, we, <laughs> we, we, are, we are not really doing well in, our, in America when it comes to uh, we, being welcoming to people with different racial ethnicities. We're not doing real well on equality. We're not doing real well on justice. We're not no. doing real well on socioeconomic inclusion, right? Yeah. That's why, you know, there's there's not a lot of work being done for that other than maybe giving food out. But how are we moving into the world to yeah. intersect with people that yeah. are in different places for us? When you talk about a wide welcome, there's a passage that Paul writes about. Oh. Said, there's a wide door, a wide door for effective service, you know, is open mm-hmm. before us, a wide door for us to move through. And I think that we, you know, whenever people get involved, things get really narrower. Yeah. You know, the yeah. circles get smaller. Yeah. And I don't see that with God. No, no. I think, I think that if the wideness of God's mercy does not shock us and is not a scandal, we haven't, um, we haven't brought the, um, the boundaries wide enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it should be so grotesque to us that we think, What? Those people or me, this part of myself, God wants to engage with and love into a different place of transformation. What, what I don't understand about closed systems um, that call themselves churches um, is this. If we say that we're representing the very 
person of Jesus in the world, wouldn't we want to throw the doors open so wide? Because we'll say, if you come to Jesus, anything that's not, um, anything that's being a hindrance in your life, is just going to get loved out of you over time. Anything that, that is a defense mechanism or something that is impeding your liberty as a human being, we just believe that the people of God are going to love it out of you. Hmm. You're going to be so loved that you're going to be able to let that go, whatever that is. Yeah. And so why wouldn't we throw the doors open wide and love people into that? Rather, we say, we want you to change before you come. We want to make sure that we're gatekeeping. I mean, come on. This is why, you know, the United Methodist Church had this marketing campaign for a while on a national level. And it was open doors, open hearts, open minds. You know, it was was about being open. Open. And it was about uh, welcoming. You know, so many churches today are all about who needs to be excluded. And you can have those conversations about what Scripture says about certain things. I tell people when they say, well, you know, there, there's some things that are just, it's pretty cut and dried in Scripture, right? And, and if you start changing that, then, then you might as well throw it all out. Yeah. And I'm thinking, as someone who sits in front of me one time said, you can't change, you can't change, this is what the Bible says about human sexuality. You can't do it if you do this, then you gotta throw the whole Bible out. And the guy telling me this is a guy who's divorced and remarried. Hmm. Well, well, well. <laughs> That's special. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm thinking, I don't know how much you've actually studied uh, what Jesus and Paul have to say about divorce and remarriage, but it's pretty clear. It's if, way, if we're going to use that, re, that, that same consistent reasoning, let's use it all the way, way through. way more cut and dried and clear yes. than than this issue. So what I tell people all the time when they say, well, you can't be a traditionalist. You I mean, it, you know, like I'm someone who is more traditionalist. I believe that God sort of had a framework and a, and a way of setting things in motion. And I don't think it included divorce and remarriage. I, I, I think when you talk about Adam and Eve getting together, you know, that was a union for life. Hmm. But immediately, you know, divorce is in, and then you could be married to 100. Well, how many wives did Solomon have? Like 700? Man, dude. So people who say they want to, I want to get back to a biblical ethic of sexuality and marriage. I'm like, okay, Solomon, I don't know that I could handle 700 wives. Yeah, I don't want that. Which, which part of the Bible are we talking about? The biblical <laughs> ethic? <laughs> It's like, okay, must be good. But I mean, we're already, we, we've, we've made accommodations on things that don't, that then people say, well, you're throwing out everything. No, there's still, what we don't do is we don't talk to uh, about sexuality at all. Yeah, human sexuality is. We don't talk about human sexuality at all. That's Which is probably the reason why we're in the bind that we are, because yeah. we never talked about any of that. Yeah, that's, that's the issue I would love for us as a church to actually talk about is what is healthy human sexuality. Right, we, I don't. I don't see the church and the Methodism having that, and I think it's a really weapon of mass distraction to then segment off a section of the church where we kind of then kind of lay our hands on that and say that's that's wrong or that's evil, rather than saying, um, why don't we have this broader discussion? Yeah. you know, it would it would help a lot of us. So, and when I think of when I think of a wide welcome, I'm thinking of about a lot of different categories. Yes, absolutely. And there's if there's a church that ever says you can't be here because of who you are that's that's a church that's not reading genesis one and two yeah at all 
They no. basically only started their Bible at Genesis three. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and that um, part of that is that biblical um, vision that we have. Um, the, that that talos that that end that ending where there's every tribe and every nation is gathered around the throne of God, right? And so what we're attempting to do in that is not just throw the the gates open wide and love people because that's some kind of mamby pamby 1970 kind of hippieish kind of throwback to dude we can all just kind of no it's because that's the vision that's put out for us that the ultimate thing that happens when Jesus is at the center is that people that should never be put together end up finding each other brothers and sisters that an improbable community is created out of that kind of love hmm. and I just think that's a and when you said that about heaven made me think of that old preacher joke where the guy goes to heaven and he walks by the the room and there's like having a cocktail party and they got wine and martinis uh-huh. and he's like who's that he goes that's the episcopalians uh-huh. and he goes by the next one and it's like a little more muted and they're sitting there singing and you know and he's like oh it's the methodist and, he, and the next door is closed and they tiptoe by and he goes wait wait what's in there he goes shh that's the baptist they think they're the only ones up here <laughs> Insert any denomination <laughs> yeah. in anyone. I don't need any more emails any from you Baptists. Baptist listening, uh, John Stevens' <laughs> email address is. <laughs> but, you know, this, this thing was really good because it, it was a focus on um, what we want the church to be. The other mm. thing that, that I found that I believe, I believe this with my, my whole being. It's not just mm. something I feel and sense. I've experienced it. I've been there. I mean, you, people got to remember, mm. first 20 years of my ministry plus were in South Georgia, which is the liberal bastion of the United States of America. You've not, <laughs> not been to South Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I'm being sarcastic there. Um, and I, 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 you know, college, I traveled on a youth ministry team. I've been in, I've been in churches that you can't even pronounce right. their names, right? right? I know these people. And everybody says, oh, well, they're pretty clear on this particular issue or whatever they are. And I'm just telling you, there are the vast majority of people in our churches today are, I think, traditionalist. They believe in traditional understandings of marriage. They believe uh, of when they read Genesis one, and I know diff- people disagree and people on spectrums, but that, but they are they're traditionalists. But they are also the term we use is a, they're compatibilists. They're not willing to. They're they're saying I. If there are going to be people in the church that are going to get married, same sex marriage or whatever else, I don't feel like I have to leave that church or my church, my denomination, you know, they, they might not want it to happen in their church. They might not want their pastor to do it in Adel or wherever it I is it. in jo- yeah. Georgia, but they are not the kinds of people that are going, if a church decides they want to do it or pastors, I don't feel like I have to like all of a sudden bail and leave. Yeah. And when we did this, um, this little minty poll, the thing, what we found is that of all the people of the 700 and 50 some odd people in the room, 94% would define themselves as a compatibilist, either on the right or the or the left side of this issue, but compatibilist, yes. right? You and I, you and I think differently about this issue. Yeah, but I mean, we're both compatibilists. But we're, we're both we're, we're both compatibilists, yeah. and I think that's the thing that um, that's interesting to me. And basically, 94% of the people there said, "I can compatibly be in a church where where groups." Um, say this is impossible, but I can do this. I, and I believe not only me personally, as they answer the question, yeah. but they said the churches that we're in, yes. our churches are compatibilists. Yeah. 
Yes. And as far as the difference between more traditional leaning or progressive leaning, it was almost split 50 50 yeah. in the room because yeah. you got people from the West Coast and North Central and Northeast. Yeah. But you had a lot of people from the Southeast and South Central. And what you find is a denomination that is very diverse, big mm-hmm. tent, as you said, and, and that reflects the country that we live in. Yes. The problem is because we so closely reflect the country that we live in is why we're having the hardest time yeah. right now because the country is in a really bad place mm-hmm. not being able to talk about their differences. Yeah. And so that bleeds over into the pews yeah. because we are not a homogeneous denomination. No, Everybody doesn't think the same way. No. We don't have one, you know, statement of faith and message that we all have to check the box and sign and you have to follow everything as it is right there or you have to go yeah, somewhere else. That's, right. that's never who we've been. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And and if there then are these kind of litmus tests to what types of people we open the love of Christ to and we fellowship with, it seems to me that that's a movement away from the table, um, the communion table where Jesus has come to me, all of you. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's at that place where if we have an, a, an awakening experience of God's grace, right? I mean, it's part of what we we think happens, that <laughs> that miracles happen of grace in our lives, that then things begin to shift. I want to be a part of a of a church that that is able to do that, that says, come with us on this journey of faith that we're on where we're all changed. Right, and we're all caught up in each other's lives um, that are being changed, and necessary in each other's life for that kind of change. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I think the biggest thing for me is it was, man, I I really needed to be encouraged. Yeah. Just I'm glad. because, um, I'm glad. you know, honestly, this being in the denomination, I, I tell people since coming in 2014. <laughs> to uh to houston and to chapelwood man it's just been one thing after the other 2015 was the supreme court ruling of same-sex marriage legalized in all 50 states when did you get here 2014 14 dear lord summer of 14 and so from there then it was a combination of what's going on in our denomination right. general conferences 16 of course we've had harvey we've had two, two presidential elections yeah. we've had racial issues political issues and a pandemic yeah. so it and just keeps getting easier the, and a downturn in the economy <laughs> downturn in the economy oil prices crashed two years after i got here <laughs> i mean it just it just keeps getting better man the party party bus just <laughs> keeps rolling down the road and it's uh yeah it's, i'll be honest with you it's tough one thing i i realized um and we've had adam hamilton on the podcast before yeah. you know this guy's it's the biggest church in the united methodist denomination yeah he writes books i mean he's well loved by a lot of people a lot of people can't stand him either but i mean he's he's like i I thought about quitting multiple times yeah over the past year absolutely absolutely i I mean i've thought about it john we know where you live (laughs) this is why i think this is why i really do think like folks like you that are that are standing in that leadership position that number one we as a church and we have to surround protect love and pray because there's certain people for such a time as this that has certain gifts to lead through this um space that if we don't do that um i really think we'll be judged and so i feel like that is you know as a person that's on your staff and has watched you lead that part of what we need to do is to continue to pray for you to support you to be truth tellers in you all those things that say 
you know, uh, you, you, you ever see, uh, was it backdraft where that guy's holding on in the fire and he's the, the guy's like, let go, you know, and, and the dude that's holding on to him, that's holding on to somebody else that's holding on to somebody else says, if you go, we go. <laughs> right. See, I've been, I mean, yeah. So, so let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just, we're not letting go, buddy. We're not all right. Go. So here's the image. When I think of, when I think of kind of how this last two years uh, or plus have been, do you ever, and some people don't watch this. Have you ever watched the Lord of the Rings? Yes. The trilogy. Yeah. What was it in the first one where they're running through the dungeons and they go across and Gandalf stops because this big like demon's coming and he's on the little bridge and he goes, you shall not pass. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's what I'm doing, man. I'm holding the line and I'm saying, you shall not pass. But the problem with that analogy is he gets dragged down into the pit of hell with the demon. So he doesn't make it out. And I'm kind of thinking, but he does get like resurrected or whatever and come back later. So you've been talking about Dante's Inferno, dude. Like, I think that like, like the position that you're in and maybe folks that are in this space are going to get dragged down into hell. And if the gates of hell can't prevail against us, that whatever comes out of that is going to be what God intends it to be. Well, you go, we go, mofo. There, there can be no resurrection. There can be no resurrection without death. Yeah, that's not a metaphor, is it? It's not a metaphor. I mean, and, you know, in Christianity, as Christians, I mean, the whole point is to be recast, resurrected, our spirits, our lives, and become more like Jesus. Yeah. Well, how do you do that if you never you experience die. death, yeah. fragility, vulnerability? Well, it's fun. I just wanted to share this with you because, I mean, it was encouraging to me. No one else probably cares. No one, you know, people like Methodist Church. I don't really care what's going on in the Methodist Church. That's one thing. When you're in an organization and yeah. you realize the vast majority of people in the world really don't give a Chaplain's crap. Chaplain's Methodist? Wait, we're Methodist? <laughs> <laughs> they probably will. There's some people you say about Mercy Street. Wait. Wait, Mercy Street's Methodist? <laughs> oh, well, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of Methodist churches have taken United off of their sign. They're yeah. just Methodist. They're just Methodist. Yeah. yeah. What you know? That's fine. Well, I, I think the, the thing that we're contending over is not just the name, but it's the character. It's who we are in the world, right? And so whether we change names or not or whatever that happens, that, like we're fighting for the very legacy of, of, of really now decades upon decades upon decades that have, have been built in this church. And we're asking ourselves, can a leper change its spot as, you know, um, are we going to become something different than the very nature and character of who God has built into this place well it's been fun as always been good been real has been love you john stevens glad you're here i always like when i start when i start winding it down matt goes yeah 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 yeah, yeah, i don't know (laughs) yeah 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 okay yeah yeah yeah. i'm gonna one day i'm just gonna do matt i'm just gonna yeah 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 (laughs) i guess we we switch personas (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. That's great. That's that'll That's, be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'll be yeah. great, man. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I always say Matt kind of uh, he feels his words in his mouth. He feels them. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of, that, lot of. That one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> savoring. I'm about to say something special. Hmm. <laughs> Here comes a delicious word. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Wow.